Hey there, future fans. It is the week of Thanksgiving. That's right. Thanksgiving is this week. I was hoping to have this episode out before Thanksgiving, but work had other plans. But if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving or even before, then yay, I did it. Yay me. Go team. We came home with a big W. Either way, it's a new week and that means new movies. This week has a little bit of everything. There's a little news to talk about, there's a couple trailers, and a few movies, but somehow I bet I will find a way to talk for the better part of an hour. Those half-hour episodes really stopped when I started shooting off the cuff more and having fewer notes. I'm sorry, or I'm not sorry. People still listen, my viewership hasn't gone down since I've changed how I do things, so I think you like it. But enough lollygagging, this is the week of November 24th, 2017, and this is episode 68 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome welcome to the show this is episode 68 i am billiam and let me tell you a little bit about what i do here just in case you're new and if you're new welcome to the show thank you very much for listening thank you for tuning in i'm glad you're listening to this one uh it, it really scares me to think that people who want to start giving the show a chance will go back to the first episode i'm like no 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 don't do that don't do that i'm so much better now Anyway, let's tell you what the show is about for those new people on Future Flicks. I go over every movie that's coming out during the week. I tell you who's in it and I give my thoughts on it and then I give it a score. With that score comes a numerical value which goes from zero for the really bad movies to an 11 for those that turn it up that extra notch. I also throw in some news and some new trailers and the odd rant. Let's do the opening housekeeping. You can contact me through Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Don't forget to like the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page. And don't forget to visit the Somewhat Nerdy website of all places. Also, don't forget to check out Nerds of the Squared Circle and Somewhat Nerdy Radio on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And before I get into the news, let me just remind everyone that next week there will not be a show because I will be in Louisiana recording my ass off. I will be recording Nerds of the Squared Circle, Watch Your Mouth Podcast, and Somewhat Nerdy Radio in that order. And a couple of episodes of Somewhat Nerdy Radio, actually. So more than one. So even though I, I feel like I can call Snarf Chris, Critter, and Danger friends, and I feel like we all really know each other, I will finally be meeting them in person for the first time. And then also, you got that right, the bromance will be meeting in person, and I am really excited for all of this. And good news is, the good news is that there is no really big movies coming out that week. That week ends with the first weekend of December movies, but it's arguably the weakest week that December has, seeing as it just gets bigger and better from there. At the end of this episode, before the question of the week, I will go over the movies that are coming out that week. I'm just going to give you the bare bones, like what the movie's called, one or two of the stars, and then I'll give brief thoughts on like the two I want to see. But it's that time, my future friends, to jump into that first segment, which as always, is the news. Actress Della Reese passed away on November 20th at the age of 86. She's best known for her role in the show Touched by an Angel and the movie Harlem Nights. In other sad news, David Cassidy passed away on the 21st. He was 67 and he is best known for his role on the classic show The Partridge Family. The Hollywood Reporter has, well, reported that Murder on the Orient Express is already having sequel talks. This time, the Agatha Christie novel called Death on the Nile will be the book of choice turned into a film. Kenneth Branagh is set to return as the star and director, and Michael Green will return as the writer who transferred the book to a script. And finally in the news, it's been confirmed that Batman, Wonder Woman, and Cyborg will be appearing in the Flashpoint movie. This comes from Slash Film. It's good to see that the plans are still moving forward 
even after the woefully low opening weekend of the Justice League. And I think the movie is getting a lot of unjust hate. Check out my review that's going to be coming out in the next couple days, hopefully. And while I personally nitpicked a lot about the movie, it was still really enjoyable. At the end, I, I realized that even though I wrote this blog or this review nitpicking things, at the end of the day, I still really enjoyed the movie. I want to see it again. It wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. But of course, this is what we expect from DC now. Wonder Woman was the exception that proved the rule. We, we expect now that DC will have fun, but otherwise flawed movies. Justice League was that. There, that was my bare bones review. But with that, let's step away from the news and jump into the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. Peter Rabbit got a new trailer, and it looks like complete sh**. You know, it's been a while since I've read my Beatrix Potter books, but I don't remember most of what was in the trailer. I'm pretty sure when they wrote this script, they took the bare bones of the story, added a love story between human characters, and then put Peter Rabbit into the mix. And it look it looks like it's going to be a terrible mess. A terrible mess that should be skipped by everyone. The Incredibles 2 has a teaser trailer, and it it teased us, actually. That's it didn't do much. There wasn't much to it. It's just the father holding the baby. And the baby having a ton of powers. While it is good for a teaser trailer that it truly just teased us and didn't show us any plot details, at the same time, I don't care. I know The Incredibles is one of the biggest movies for Pixar fans to their pants over, and I'm glad that they're getting a sequel for it, but I'm just going to wait for the trailer to come out to see if I'm going to care at all, because right now, I don't care. It's I think it's been too long, and for me, the hype is worn off. If they had done this earlier, I might have cared. But of course, when that first trailer drops, we'll see if I change my tune. In more Disney news, A Wrinkle in Time got a full trailer and it looks way better than the book. I thought the book was really boring. Really, really boring. I don't get why it's such a big series. Nothing f***ing happened in the first book. The first book was just bad fan fiction. The main character was a Mary Sue. Her little brother was this autistic genius. And the other guy was just there. I plan on reading the second book just to see if something actually happens, but I, I was not excited for this when I first heard about it. And now I am. Nothing really happened in the book, but it looks like something happened here. The book was like it was trying to get a Dr. Seuss level of weird, but without the humor or enjoyability. This film looks like it could take the boring right out of the series. In even more Disney news, Star Wars The Last Jedi got a new TV spot called Darkness Rises. It shows just a few more scenes. We see more Poe being badass. But other than that, it's just a collection of scenes we saw before. But it still looks so cool. Rampage has a trailer and it looks terrible. And by terrible, I mean great. It's a type of movie that critics and movie snobs will just shit upon. This is probably going to get like a 10 to 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the audience score is going to really be up there in like at least 70s, 80s. Probably around the 80s. This is a dumb, fun movie. Movies that these heartless critics could never care about. And finally, The Strangers, Pray at Night, has a trailer and it looks wonderfully underwhelming. A lot of us have been waiting a while for a sequel because the first movie was so good. And this one lo looks meh. Even though it has Christina Hendricks in it, an actress I like a lot. I loved her in Firefly, I loved her in Mad Men, and I can't get excited for this. The movie looks boring. But that is it for the news and the trailer trove. It is time for our first break, where we get a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling do you like wrestling yeah. yeah then you should listen to our podcast do you not like wrestling you should still listen to our podcast someone to read a comms nerds in the squared circle subscribe to us on itunes or your favorite podcast app today nerds in the squared circle on someone and we're back all right Yay, we're back. And let's jump into the first movie of the week, which is called Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. 
This is a documentary about this story of the most beautiful actress in Hollywood, Hedy Lamarr, who was way more than just a pretty face. She was also an inventor whose brilliant mind helped bring us Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS. I'm actually really excited for this movie. I really am. Not excited enough to see it in theaters, though, because there's rarely a documentary that I actually make a point to go see in theaters. But I've been really interested in Hedy Lamarr's story for a while now, and... I look forward to seeing them address the fact that she had this brilliant mind, invented a lot of sh** and got no credit for it up until recently. In fact, even back then and up until, I think maybe even still, the, hopefully the movie will touch on this, but people doubted her. They, uh, people called her a plagiarizer. People said, no, she's too pretty to do this. No one gets to be pretty and brilliant. So putting that woefully ignorant comment aside, this movie is going to show us that there was a lot more to Hedy Lamarr that we never got to know just because of two facts, that she was a pretty woman and an actress. So hopefully this movie will tell us more about this actress that not a lot of people know a lot about. There's not much else to say besides that this looks good and it's going to tell us more about Hedy Lamarr. That's really it. If this interests you, it interests you, and you're probably going to try and see this. If it doesn't, then you will forget about this the moment we move on to the next movie. Bombshell, The Hedy Lamar Story, gets a 6.5 out of 11. Well, let's move right along with the next movie on the list, which is a movie called Singularity. Kronos, a supercomputer, has been designed to end all wars. Yay! The trouble is, it realizes that humanity is the cause of all wars, and then starts wiping us out. Boo. Flash forward years later, the last remaining humans are on the run and in search of a rumored safe haven where humans no longer live in fear. So, welcome to the baby of Logan and Terminator. If whoever the mother is in that relationship smoked and drank for the whole time. Oh wait, I forgot to say who's in this. This stars John Cusack from High Fidelity, Carmen Argrenziano from Stargate SG-1, and Eileen Grubba from Sons of Anarchy. So yes, like I said, this is the love child of two really good movies, but there is something very wrong with that child. Maybe you shouldn't have lived under power lines next to a nuclear power plant. But here is where I'm torn about this movie, because this movie is written and directed and produced by Robert Kuba, a 24-year-old who, like I said, writes, directs, produces, and edits his own movies. The production company behind this is his own company. So we have this kid that is making his own films. So that is really cool, and I really want to support that. But it looks terrible. And of course, that's to be expected. This had a very small budget, or at least I'm guessing. You know what, I, I don't know officially what the budget was, but it can't be that big if the only company listed on the IMDb page is the writer, director, editor, all that blah, 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 that guy's own company. But you know what, somehow he got some known actors. John Cusack, of course, everyone knows. You do know Carmen Agrenziano, even if you don't recognize the name, and even if you never watched Stargate SG-1, you know this guy. You've seen him around. And Eileen Grubba, maybe not. Maybe you don't know her. Maybe you didn't watch SOA or Sam Crow. Call it whatever you want. So I'm torn on this, like I said, because I want to support this guy who's doing what he wants, making movies that he wants, who puts all this work into it, writing, directing, producing, editing, and who knows what else he did, stuff that IMDb just isn't listing. But also, it looks really poorly done. You can excuse it all you want, and I can excuse it all I want by saying, hey, look, probably didn't have a big budget done by this kid who doesn't have much experience in the industry, still looks bad, no matter what we say about it. So the question is, is a very cheesy, very low budget sci-fi movie your thing? And for some of us, that answer is going to be yes. Some people love those movies. But here's the thing, we love them later. We love these movies when they're older. We can look back at it and go, oh, did you see that movie? It's terrible. Watch it. Or maybe Rift Tracks or Mystery Science Theater 3000 gets it. And then you see the movie going, oh, that wasn't... Okay, it was terrible, but it was funny and enjoyable as a movie. But these aren't the movies we go see in theaters. These are the movies, like I said, we watch later. And that's what I'm going to do with this. Even though I'm going to give it a low score, spoiler alert, 
even though I said I want to support it, and even though I said it still looks bad, all that comes together to be a movie that I do not want to watch in theaters. Of course. Even if it magically appears in a theater near me, and I just happen to have the day off, and I don't happen to have any plans, even then I would just keep on walking. I'd probably come home and play some video games. I would wait a little bit just to see another movie that might start later. I'd come home and catch up on American Vandal because I haven't watched that or all of it yet. But I've already spent too much time talking about this because you know how I feel. I've already said it all. So let's just end this. Singularity gets a four out of 11. And that's a generous four. That is a really generous four. The next movie I'm actually going to skip, or not skip, I'll just briefly mention it as another movie that's coming out. This is called Strain 100, and it um, I, I couldn't watch a trailer for it. I couldn't find a trailer anywhere on the internet, but I found a couple YouTube videos that said, oh, watch the full movie here. Just click here and join this site or something. I'm like, ah, f- that. I don't think I will do that. But here is the premise that IMDb has. A young woman survives a car crash and discovers that zombies have overrun the area. She must figure out what's going on if she wishes to escape. The only photos that IMDb has for this is just the same woman who looks like some dollar store Lara Croft. And it looks so obvious that that's what they're going for. Either that or Alice, was that that woman from Resident Evil? I think. But this movie looks worse only based off the pictures. That's all I can go off of. It looks worse than Singularity. And because of the fact that I can't find a trailer and because of the fact that there are hardly any pictures beyond this chick holding a gun, I'm giving Strain 100 a 0 out of 11. And we have two movies left before the break. And the next movie we have to talk about is called The Man Who Invented Christmas. This is a fictional account of how Charles Dickens came up with A Christmas Carol. This stars Dan Stevens from Beauty and the Beast, Christopher Plummer from The Sound of Music, Jonathan Price from Game of Thrones, Morphid Clark from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and Donald Sumter from The Constant Gardener. And my friends, welcome to the fourth Christmas movie to come out before Thanksgiving. Oh wait, technically this one's on Thanksgiving, never mind. But still, the fourth Christmas movie to come out in November. This is the earliest a Christmas movie should come out, and still I think it should at least be in the first week of December to build hype for the holiday. I understand that they don't want to go up against Star Wars. I understand that. But what what people also have to understand in the movie industry is that there are people who want to go see a movie about Christmas during Christmas time. F***ing weird, right? Who knew? That that's so odd that people want to see Christmas movies during during December. That that's different. That's different and new. And new things scare me. The average movie spends about four weeks in theaters. Some go longer than that, like Blade Runner is still in theaters, I think. And some don't last four weeks. I think Bad Moms is out. I think it's not playing anymore. Or it could be. They just drastically reduced theaters. Four weeks. That is why I think the first week of December is the perfect time for a Christmas movie. Because a a usual four-week run will take them through Christmas. The biggest week, of course, will be opening week for the movie. But then they'll see another bump near Christmas when people go, you know what? I want to go to see a movie. I don't want to have to fight the crowds to go see Star Wars. So I'm going to go see this Christmas movie instead with my family. But no, every f***ing Christmas movie this year decides to come out during November. But what about this movie? This kind of looks like the movie called Miss Potter. It had Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. And it was about Beatrix Potter and how she's basically bad crazy. Okay, that's not really what it's about. But it's about her writing her books and how she talks to her characters. And that it's actually common. Not, okay, maybe not everyone does it. But it's more common than you would think that writers talk to their characters. Mary Shelley used to cook dinner for her characters. But this looks like the same kind of idea as Miss Potter, but just updated visually and, of course, done about Charles Dickens instead of Beatrix Potter. It also has the talented and huge Dan Stevens, who's been in everything this year. He's been in five movies, including this one, and two TV shows. But enough bitching about Christmas and enough comparing this to Miss Potter. This looks okay. It looks like an enjoyable Christmas movie that you would enjoy much more during the season. So I think that had this movie actually come out 
closer to Christmas, it may have gotten a higher score from me just because I would be in the mood for the holidays. I'd be a little more pumped going, yeah, this is Christmas as f Let's get Christmas up in this bitch, all right? But as I'm recording this, Turkey Day is tomorrow, so Christmas is not on my mind right now. And by the way, quick aside, I know earlier in the show I said, oh, maybe I'll get it up before Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I've had too much work to do. Work has been crazy that I have to get home and write for NaNoWriMo, or NaNoWriMo, which is almost over, thankfully. So this is probably going to be a super late episode, maybe Friday, maybe even a Saturday episode. So I'm sorry that this episode was late. But anyway, back to the man who invented Christmas. It looks fun. There's not really much else I can say about it. It looks it looks beautiful, actually. There, there's something. It looks beautiful. Not only Christmas is f but it looks really, really good looking. This is a period piece, so everything is stylized. There's lots of beautiful lights, and there's snow, and it's old England. Maybe it's London. I don't know. Lots of these old movies take place in London, but they somehow make us forget that old London was a trash heap, basically. And depending on who you talk to, London is still a trash heap. It's not just Anne telling me this. I've heard from other people from the UK that basically their view is F*** London. But I guess that's the American equivalent to, like, F*** New York or F*** San Francisco or what or some big city but lucky for us this movie looks at the bright and very stylized look at old England we're gonna have this very prim very proper look at everything there's no coal blackened sky and hookers all over the place not at all but let's wrap this up I've been going on too many tangents on this one it looks okay it looks entertaining. It looks like I would really like it around Christmas. And this looks like something you should put on a future Christmas movie marathon. It looks like it'd be enjoyable for the season. It looks like something that gets you pumped going, yeah, Christmas, let's decorate some sh**. Spike some f***ing eggnog, let's get ripped. That's when you should watch this. Not right now. The man who invented Christmas gets a 6 out of 11. Alright, one last movie before the break. And that movie is called Call Me By Your Name. Elio is a young man learning about love and life. He's interested in a female friend, but can't help it, and he falls in love with his father's research assistant, Oliver. The two bond over his emerging sexuality, their Jewish heritage, and the Italian landscape. This stars Army Hammer from The Man from Uncle, Timothy Chalmant from Men, Women, and Children, and Michael Stolbarg from The Fargo TV Show. Listeners of the show know I bitch about indie movies a lot. And that's because indie movies can be really pandering, but they only come across really pandering when they look bad. This one actually looks really good. And this is one of the few times where I can be fully aware of the fact that this movie is critic bait, that this movie was made to turn heads at film festivals, was made to give hipsters hard-ons so they can go, oh, did you watch this movie? You've probably never heard of it. It's great. And at the same time, I can want to see it because it looks good. This looks like a beautifully shot movie with some really good actors in it. Okay, at least one very good actor that I know of. The other two, I don't know a lot about, to be honest. But from the looks of the trailer, it looks impressive. It looks like they do a good job. And if you remember me complaining about Lady Bird and how shitty it looked, you'll remember that I hated the character. A lot of times with movies like this, an indie movie will have characters that mirror the same sort of uppity boring ass who would see it but then again these are always criticisms that i bring up when i don't think the movie looks good and i notice all these things but again this one looks good but i have no doubt i have no doubt that when this movie was being made hell even back when they were thinking hey what book can we turn into a movie oh there's this one about some young kid who has a gay fling with his father's research assistant an older man and learns about life in the process that they go that's perfect that is perfect for us we'll get standing ovations at cons oh my god good job but no matter how much i can criticize this i can't ignore the fact that that looks well done but i can also see that this is the sort of movie you watch once you watch this movie, you go, okay, that was really good. I am really glad I saw this. Never again. In that way, this is just like Foxcatcher. It is just like The Florida Project. It's just like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Movies that you could watch and go, wow, that was really good. But somehow never feel the need to watch it again. This film, Call Me By Your Name, is the antithesis of Justice League. Where Justice League has a million bad things about it, but it's redeeming qualities how fun and enjoyable it is. This movie has a lot of good things about it, 
but not a lot of fun and thus not a lot of rewatchability. And movies like this are exactly why I believe I am in the middle of two groups. Because some of my closest friends, uh, the, the people I went to see Justice League with, great group of people, they would never watch Call Me By Your Name. Just because those artsy indie films are not their thing. I have another group of friends, people who already know about this movie, people who are already stoked for this movie, who would never go see Justice League. And here I am, and I hope here you are with me in the middle, because I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I like being able to jump between some art house movie and some big budget blockbuster. I like that. I like the fact that I can find a good movie in almost any category. And almost every week of the year, I can find a movie that I would want to see. And I really hope that you, my listeners, my future friends are the same way. And if you're not right now, I hope you can learn to be. I hope you can learn to see the fun in a movie like Justice League. And at the same time, I hope you can see the quality movie behind a film like Call Me By Your Name. If you are an indie film buff, this is a movie to see in theaters. But for the rest of us who are either in the middle or on the completely other side, this is not a movie to watch in theaters. I think this should go on your list, your list of movies to watch later. But here's the thing. Here is the thing about movies like this. This has a near perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I know I hate those ass. But here's why I bring them up. Because with movies like this, movies that don't have a huge fun aspect, like blockbusters, like comic book movies do, like horror movies do, or any genre movie does, movies like this are more polarizing. Because you could just not like it. And that is completely fine. Because when a movie doesn't have pure enjoyability to fall back on, it is all with the plot, all with the characters, all with the building blocks of the movie. So, and if you don't like something about that, maybe the story doesn't appeal to you. Maybe the way it's shot doesn't appeal to you. Then you're not going to like it. I think this is a movie worth seeing. I think you should see this. I think you should put it on your list because I know it's going on mine. But indie films are like documentaries in this way, at least in my opinion, where it's more so in your court. Because on my part, like with Geostorm, I liked it. It was stupid, but I liked it. And I can explain it to you. I can sit there and say what I liked about it, why it's an enjoyable movie, and you may like it. You may see something through my eyes or or focus on something that you normally wouldn't have. While movies like this, I can't. Okay, but enough jumping around with that. Let's finish this up. I like the look of this movie. I want to see this, but I am 100% going to wait. If I see any movie in theaters this week, it is going to be my pick. Let's wrap this up with the score. Call Me By Your Name gets an 8 out of 11. And with that, it is time for the final break. So here's a word from our last two friends. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. If you've noticed this episode dropped really late, it's because I got wrapped up in a whole bunch of Thanksgiving-related stuff. And in past years... 
past years. I've only done this for a year now. But last year, I remember Snarf Chris told me, hey, don't work on Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday. He does that for Thanksgiving, Christmas. And basically, whenever you're feeling just too tired, he he has this view that says, watch out for your health first. The show can wait. And so I did that. I relaxed and worked my ass off both on Thanksgiving. I ended up working half a day at work because I was a hol- or I am a holiday solution specialist. So guess who had to be there on the holidays? Me. But we worked a half day and I got home, jumped right into helping everyone cook and then set the table and do my part. And after that, I just played video games. I did some writing for Nano and played video games, and it was a good relaxing day. And I hope all of you had a very relaxing Thanksgiving. So happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone. Well, it's time to finish this bitch up, and let's do it with the three best-looking movies this week. Well, at least three of them. You know, in retrospect, it was a pretty good week, wasn't it? We had Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which looked like a good Christmas movie, Call Me By Your Name... We had two crappy movies, mind you, but, you know, that's okay. What week doesn't have at least a couple shitty movies? Well, the next movie on the list is a movie called Roman J. Israel, Esquire. Roman J. Israel, Esquire is a former civil rights activist turned lawyer. One day, his antics in the courtroom gets him fired from his firm. Afterward, he just happens to stumble upon some information for an investigation that gets him a handsome reward. He then uses the reward to upgrade his style of life, but it also puts a target on his head. The person who he turned in knows. This stars Denzel Washington from Training Day, Colin Farrell from In Bruges, and Carmen Ijogo from Selma. I remember seeing posters for this a while back and I had no idea what it was about and Some people were making a big deal of it, like we were supposed to know what the hell this was based off of, or like we were really supposed to care before we even saw a trailer. So I thought then, hey, maybe this was made by someone really famous, and it's written and directed by a guy named Dan Gilroy, whose only directing credit was Nightcrawler, that movie I talk about whenever I talk about movie, a movie that can make me so uncomfortable, made me walk out. That was it. But also, he's a writer known for Nightcrawler, Real Steel, The Bourne Legacy, Kong Skull Island. So that couldn't have been it. it. It couldn't have been this guy that made everyone freak out. So maybe what it was was just the poster, which which just shows Denzel Washington kind of facing away from the camera. You see a, his big old fro. You see that he has some old headphones on him, big, thick-rimmed glasses, and a purple burgundy purplish suit so maybe people were just going look this guy has style and i have to say the fact that i'm saying this guy has style surprises me because if anyone else in a movie dressed like this they would look like a nerd only denzel washington can make this guy look cool oh i see okay I i just read up a little more about this movie and apparently this hit the film festival circuit Okay, well, not circuit, just hit one film festival back in September. So that could be why people were talking about it. Some people saw it, made a big deal of it, word spread. Okay, that that makes a lot more sense. But still, this movie looks good. It looks like an original idea. So when people bitch that Hollywood has no original ideas left, you point at this. You point at this movie. Hell, you point at this movie and you point at my pick. That is what you do. You go, shut the f*** up, you stupid little bitch. Hollywood has plenty of original ideas left. You are just too cynical to see it. Now go hide in your little hole somewhere and watch indie movies and touch yourself or whatever it is you do. That's what you say. Those exact words. I want you to carry that around on a little card and uh, and, then read that off. Whenever you hear someone bitch about that, there are actually a lot of original movies out there. It's just that the summer blockbusters and the one and the blockbusters in general, the movies that get the biggest push just happen to be sequels or remakes. Not all of them, mind you, but just a lot of them. But this movie looks like it has a certain style and also looks like it has a certain feeling over the whole thing that just something's not right. The trailer kind of shows Israel out of his element. Like he's giving a speech to younger people and he points to the back. He goes, hey, why are there sisters standing back there while brothers are sitting down and the women are getting all mad going, hey, that's sexist. He said, it's polite because he came from a time where you didn't let a woman stand. You offered your seat. And while there are still a lot of us out there that will will do that, it's not considered PC anymore to do it, really. Because a woman can stand just as much as a guy can stand. In fact, I bet you a woman can stand better than a guy. We have this main character who's from a different time, who was very active in the civil rights movement, 
who still wants to do good, but finds that he can't keep up with the times. I think that's what the headphones that are in the on the poster are supposed to represent. They're old headphones. They're the type of headphones my grandpa had. They're the, the over-the-ear kinds with the big fluffy pads with the metal metal extendable bar that goes over the over the top. Rumor has it that after the premiere at of this movie at the Toronto Film Festival, I think it was, both the director and Denzel Washington decided they should restructure the movie to change the narrative. So actually they took scenes out. Whereas like uh, Justice League, you know, put more scenes in. This one goes, hey, you know, we should take this out to change what the narrative focuses on. And I want to see those 12 minutes. I want to see how much those 12 minutes changed things that taking them out changed the entire narrative. But enough about narratives. This looks good. It really does. It looks like part courtroom drama because there's a lot of lawyer talk in it. Part personal character journey. I don't want to say growth because I'm not sure how much he's going to grow in this, but just this character's journey from getting fired and now being super rich because he turned in this criminal to get the reward money and then him staying alive. So there's going to be a little bit of suspense to it. Not a whole lot of suspense. I think this is going to be a drama first with a hint of suspense and comedy and and just just a smaller hint of comedy. This looks like it's worth a watch and it could be worth a watch if you don't want to see the next two movies or, or worth a watch in theaters that is if you don't want to see the next two movies. At the very least, put this on your list of movies to watch at home. Roman J Israel Esquire gets a 7 out of 11. All right folks, the next movie on the list is another really good looking one, but this one also didn't make the cut for the pick of the week and that movie is Coco. Miguel dreams of becoming a musician, but his family has a lifelong ban on it. One night, he accidentally enters the land of the dead, and while there, wants to figure out why his family bans music. To do so, he must search for his great-great-grandfather, a once-famous musician. This features the voices of Gael Garcia Bernal, Benjamin Bratt, René Victor, and Gabriel Iglesias. So back a little bit, when I was going on my rant during Roman J. Israel Esquire, I said that my pick was original, and then I swapped them. I, I After watching the trailer, I realized I'm more pumped for the new pick than I was for Coco, even though I think Coco looks really good and was formerly my pick. This is a mostly original movie. You could say 100% original, but there's a lot of people who question how much Disney took from movies like The Book of Life. Of course, we all know that Disney is no stranger to being accused of stealing their ideas. I've given them crap for it in the past about stealing their ideas from anime, and of course some of their most famous works are just retellings of popular fairy tales. But this more modern time, we find that a lot of the claims that they stole an idea has never been proven, at least in court. I'm not sure if any of you ever heard the resolution of what happened in the case of that guy suing Disney over stealing the idea for Zootopia. But what happened was those drawings he had that the sketches looked similar to Zootopia characters. That was all he had. Everything else was different. Apparently the story was completely different and everything else he presented was different. The only similarities came in some of the characters. And the judge, or I don't know if it was in front of a judge or a jury, but whoever decided it decided that that wasn't enough. And I do agree with that. That's not enough. But remember folks, where there's smoke, there's at least a little fire. And Disney gets called on this stuff way too much. But enough about that. Let's talk about Coco, the movie. It, it looks good. It really does. I wasn't really pumped for it up until recently, and something something changed my mind. I, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but something about it suddenly made me want to see it. Because originally, I went, okay, cool, another Disney Pixar movie. It's probably going to be good, but I wasn't pumped for it. And recently, that changed. Changed enough to make it my pick. And even though it's now not my pick, it still makes it high up the list because it's Pixar. And while Disney is hit or miss, Pixar always hits it out of the park. And that's something good we can say for Disney. They tend to let their companies do their thing. Of course, we've heard stories of micromanaging from Disney, micromanaging Pixar movies, micromanaging Marvel movies, but not as much as other things like Warner Brothers in DC. That is why all these Disney franchises hit it out of the park so much, or at least make it so good that even if it's not great, it's still really enjoyable and gets high critic ratings, as well as the more important high fan scores. So reliability alone, this movie would have made it high up the list, even if this week had a shit 
ton of more great looking movies. The animation looks beautiful. Hopefully Social Justice Warriors will shut the f*** up about this movie. Because look, Disney's being inclusive, yay! And they got actual Mexicans or people from Latin American descent to voice a character. So there's something that's good, right? If you have a family, if you have children, and you want to see a movie, this is the movie to see. This is what you see in theaters because this is the best movie for children that's out now. And it's the best movie for children that we've seen in a while. Even with the star out, this still looks better. Because even if the star had been placed closer to Christmas and thus been more relevant, this still looks better. Try not to watch too many of the trailers though, especially the last trailer, which I'm pretty sure gave away the entire story. Even though Disney and Pixar never really have super surprising movies. Stuff that happens along the way can be shocking and surprising, but the overall story, the end of the overall story, is usually what we guess. Just because it's more predictable when we know it's going to be something that a child and a family will enjoy. That's not necessarily a bad thing because the journey is what's really fun and Disney and Pixar make the journey really enjoyable. And very beautiful too. Coco gets an 8.5 out of 11. And finally, it's the new pick of the week. And you may actually have guessed this one because this movie was pushed a lot. I saw the main actor in this, the lead actor, I'm sorry, main actor. I saw the lead actor in this in tons of interviews all over television. Do you know what movie this is yet? The pick of the week is called Darkest Hour. This is yet another Winston Churchill biopic. This time it's about the time Churchill had to decide whether to negotiate with Hitler or go into war. And at that time, War was a losing battle. This stars Gary Oldman from the Dark Knight trilogy, Lily James from Cinderella, Kristen Scott Thomas from The English Patient, and Ben Mendelsohn from Rogue One. You know what to expect from this movie. You really do. We have seen movies like this a lot, but what makes this one special is the fact that it has an amazing actor in it, and the overall quality looks better than the movies that came before it. That's not saying the movies that came before it look bad, it's just saying this one looks a lot better. So we have this movie that's about a very important time in world history, not just the history of the UK, but world history here where Winston Churchill has to honestly debate making a treaty with Hitler with mother Hitler so we all know or we should know from our history classes the story of the speech or the speech he gave that is where we will fight them on land we will fight them in the air we will fight them at sea so on and so forth but now we're going to learn what led up to it and we're going to learn about the opposition the people who are like no let's surrender this is a bad idea and the people who are like, no, let's, let's fight, f*** it. Even if we die, let's fight. This will be historical political intrigue with an overcast shadow of doom. I love me some politics. I love me some political movies. You all know this. When I talked about the movie Miss Sloan, I had a huge hard-on for it. But what's the worst thing that would happen at the end of a movie like Miss Sloan? Or anything else that Aaron Sorkin has ever written? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Jail time, maybe? And what was the worst thing here? Death. The Nazis winning. How to make Man in High Castle come true? Go back in time and change Winston Churchill's mind. That's how we do it here. No, that's not how we do it here. We watch this movie and we're in awe of the amazing amount of pressure the man was under. And not just him, the people he was close to, his wife, his, his aides, everyone. An interesting fact, Dunkirk, which Christopher Nolan did a movie based off of called, well, well, Dunkirk takes place during this movie. So while this movie's going on, the British troops are pinned down at Dunkirk. So that also adds the importance of what he does. A truth would save all of those soldiers' lives. So does he agree to it or doesn't he? Spoiler alert, he says no, him, let's fight. Nazis, that is. Not not our soldiers, the Nazis. Because let's be honest, if there's one group of people that you can honestly always say them and people will be behind you. You can be in church and you can say, excuse me, pastor, I have something to say. He says, yes, yes, my son. What is it? You say the Nazis. He'll say goddamn right the Nazis. So my friends, do you want to watch this movie that looks beautifully done, well acted, which is all about how Winston Churchill came to the conclusion to say the Nazis. 
This is my pick because it looks really good. This is the movie I really want to see this week. I may even make time to see it in theaters just because I have all this time off now. And I've decided when I am in Louisiana and I'm hanging out with the somewhat nerdy Nerds of Squared Circle and Watch Your Mouth guys, instead of going to a movie, I will stuff my fat face full of food and drink all of the beer because that is what I do on vacations, ladies and gentlemen, food and alcohol. So if I see this, I'll see it before I leave. Well, we'll see if I find time. The Darkest Hour gets a 9 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for the movies. It is time to go into the question of the week and we can wrap this up. The question of the week from last week was who can DC put in Justice League to blow your f***ing mind? Well, we have a few answers and last week I forgot to tweet and Instagram a reminder of what the question was. So sorry for that. This week, I I just barely did. I did it earlier on Friday. I finished editing on Friday. So sorry, everyone, for just giving you a few hours to answer. I will try and get better at that. I don't know why I forgot the last two times. But anyway, let's jump into the answers. First, we get an answer from Brian Q, who said, Sticking with Apache Chief. I know he's not true canon, but I don't care. So if you don't know, if you're scratching your head going, who is this Apache Chief? I've never heard of him. Apache Chief was a side character from the um, the Super Friends cartoon that Hanna-Barbera did. And thanks to my Google Foo, I've also learned that Apache Chief appeared several times on Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. So there's that for a fun fact, right? And as always, thank you, Brian Q. You always test my memory when it comes to your answers. Keep it coming. You've stumped me more than anyone else. Turning to Instagram now, we got an answer from Sam Jericho from Nerds of the Squared Circle. And he says, Plastic Man. Plastic Man, of course, was the... Okay, I may get this wrong, and I know someone's going to correct me if I do. So, uh, Vegan Dan, correct me because you would know this. I believe Plastic Man came first and inspired Mr. Fantastic from Marvel. I I think that's how it goes. If you don't think you know Plastic Man, you've probably seen him before. So super stretchy powers, just like Mr. Fantastic. He has this red tracksuit on with a Power Girl boob window, but without the boobs go with it. And this yellow black belt, slicked back greaser style hair and, and sunglasses. Speaking of Vegan Dan, he answered on Facebook. He says, tough question. I'd want either Beast Boy or Raven. One, they'd be great. Two, each could be used to open up the DCEU. Raven bringing bridging Del Toro's Justice League Dark. Beast Boy could bring in the Doom Patrol. Talk about a great franchise that could be used to drop the why so serious stigma from the DCEU. And obviously both can be used to bring in a Teen Titans movie. Hmm, Teen Titans. Dick, Tim, or Damien? Okay, let's start by saying that's a great answer. I would expect nothing less from you. For me, Tim. Tim Drake is my favorite Robin for the Teen Titans. Damien is my favorite Robin, and I love Dick Grayson, but I think he's better as Nightwing. Of course, we're overlooking the other two Robins who weren't part of the Teen Titans, Jason Todd, turned in the Red Hood, and Stephanie Brown, who was just murdered and forgotten entirely. Of course, I could be something else I'm wrong on. Always, always correct me if I'm wrong on something. But now it's time for my answer. And I could have gone for the easy answer. I could have gone, oh, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, because he's the best Green Lantern. But no, I have to be honest with myself and say Supergirl. Even though it would have made them recast her, but Supergirl is one of my favorite DC characters. I love all three supers. I love Superman, Supergirl, Superboy. I would have said Superboy, but I think it would have been a big, big stretch to pull him in somehow. Because if you remember, Superboy was created by Lex Luthor. Superboy is a clone, half Lex Luthor, half Superman. How would that have worked? Okay, maybe Luthor got some Superman DNA. Easy enough. Well, for him, but he was also currently in jail. So yeah, Supergirl, that would have been my answer. Though I agree with all the other answers, those would have been cool. And Frat Matt, I'm sorry, once again, I dropped the ball on repeating the question on Twitter and Instagram. So like I said, I promise I'll do better next time. But it's time for this week's question of the week. And remember, you have two whole weeks to answer this question. So I've been talking a lot about Rotten Tomatoes and critics recently. I've even started writing a blog post on critics. And in my Justice League blog, which I promise is coming soon, I talk a lot about critics too. So that brings me to this. What is your favorite movie that was critically panned? 
A movie that the critics said, no, do not see this for it is terrible. It is garbage incarnate. But you, you, my friend, watched it anyway. And you were like, hey, this was pretty good. What is that movie for you? So before we go, let's talk briefly about the movies coming out next week, since I'll be in Louisiana next week. And I decided against talking about every movie, because some of them, it, what would be the point, really? Let's just talk about the biggest one, because there's only like four movies coming out next week, I think. And the biggest one is Woody Allen's new movie. That's Wonder Wheel. Now, this movie takes place on Coney Island in the 1950s. It's told from the point of view of a lifeguard who's telling the story of the guy who runs the the Wonder Wheel carousel, his relationship with his wife, and the fact that everything gets f***ed up when his estranged daughter shows up, daughter from another marriage also, fun, fun fact to point out there, shows up and goes, oh, hey, by the way, the mob wants to kill me. I know where all these bodies are buried, and I ran. You may not want to see this just because it's Woody Allen, just because he is a pervert. Or that could not bother you. You could look at the movie as a separate thing, going, while I would never physically put money in Woody Allen's hand, I will go see this movie because other people are benefiting from it. It created jobs. I don't know. Whatever your excuse would be. This stars Jim Belushi from K-9, Juno Temple from Atonement, Justin Timberlake from In Time, Kate Winslet from Titanic, and Steve Sherpina and Tony Sekiro, or Sirico, I mean, from Sopranos. So this has a good cast. Uh, Jim Belushi, I haven't seen him in a long time. I, I haven't, I didn't watch the TV shows he, he did, but this has a good looking cast. The movie looks very, it's a period piece, honestly. 1950s Coney Island, very stylized. The use of lighting is amazing. Even in the, in the bedroom that Jim Belushi and Kate Winslet share, the Ferris wheel, the light from the Ferris wheel shines in. So it, it casts this red glow everywhere. The way people talk, the costumes, it's all, it all looks really cool. And that is why I will probably still wait for Amazon to see this. Uh, this is an Amazon movie, which means that it's going to come out in theaters and then we're going to get maybe a three, four month break before Amazon gets it. And that's why I think that even though it's my pick, we all should wait to watch it on Amazon because who here doesn't have Prime? Raise your hand so I can point at you, scold you, and tell you to get Prime. So yeah, that's my pick for next week. Let's wrap this show up. Don't forget to answer the question of the week, and I promise I will not forget to post the reminder of the question of the week before I record the next episode. So let's jump into the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a five-star rating, all of the stars possible. It really helps me out. And please do the same thing for the rest of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network and the Watch Your Mouth Show. Throw some love at Uncork Gamers, too. Give us all five stars. Help us grow. How do you reach me? That is a good question. Thank you for asking. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Be sure to hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Hit me up on Instagram too, also BilliamSWN. And be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also check out the Friends of the Show, the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, and the Uncork Gamers. Please don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.